The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. It blows my mind that we all go to doctor's appointments, pay a lot of money, spend a lot of time. We get advice, you know, things to eat or not eat, medicines to look into, things to try, things to look out for. As far as I can tell, virtually no one writes any of that down. Not only are we not taking notes, the doctor, any notes that they're taking are not going into a system. You know, how many times do you go to a new new doctor's office or specialist and they're like, write down your whole health history. How can you do that? How can you just write and just remember from your brain your entire health history and just write it down on this piece of paper? It's absurd. Hey, it's Monday. I'm Michael Kavnet, and you're listening to a new episode of The Next Big Idea Daily. The question for today is, how's your brain? How's it doing keeping track of all your appointments and commitments, your friends' phone numbers, the point of that article you read this morning, not to mention your own brilliant ideas, your hopes and dreams? My brain feels a little overstuffed these days, even with the help of my calendar, my address book, and other high-tech and low-tech interventions, it's clear that the wetware we're carrying around in our skulls, as remarkable as it is, just wasn't evolved to handle the torrent of information that now comes at us on a daily basis. My guest this week is productivity expert Tiago Forte, author of the book Building a Second Brain, a proven method to organize your digital life and unlock your creative potential. Tiago has thought long and hard about the powers and shortcomings of the human brain, and one of his first points is that while it's an organ that's incredibly good at generating ideas, it's a pretty limited tool for storing information. For that, we need something else. We need a box. Here's Tiago to explain. The award-winning choreographer Twyla Tharp used a simple method for creating her famous dances. She called it the box. As she went about her days and in her reading and research, she would save bits and pieces of inspiration in a file folder box for that specific project. In her own words, she would keep notebooks, news clippings, CDs, videotapes of me working alone in my studio, videos of the dancers rehearsing, books and photographs and pieces of art that may have inspired me. All of those tangible artifacts became the raw material for her own original feats of self-expression. In the course of our days, we constantly encounter interesting ideas and insights. Whether from a conversation with a colleague, an article we read online, or a podcast we listen to while driving, we are awash in knowledge about how to work and live better. If you want to improve anything, your productivity, your health, your finances, or your relationships, You don't necessarily need to do more research. Start with writing down the knowledge you already have access to. I suggest using a digital notes app on your mobile device so you always know where to put your notes and also where to find them. Notes apps harness the timeless power of note-taking and supercharge it with the cutting edge of modern technology. And they are always with us on the devices we carry everywhere. Tiago Forte, welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily. Thank you, Michael. Happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here talking about how to build a second brain. Now, 
The idea of a second brain is really interesting, and we're going to get into a lot of details about what you mean by that. But first of all, why? I'm more or less happy with my first brain. Why do I need a second one? I mean, you're in the minority in that case. <laughs> um, most of the people I hear from uh, are not happy with their first brain, whether it's their, you know, memory, whether it's the, you know, their ability to, tr you know, keep track of details, uh, too many decisions to make, too many projects to track. It's, it's a lot that we're asking our brains to do. And what I'm saying when I talk about building a second brain is getting, you know, all the cognitive tasks that you ask your first brain to perform, mm -hmm. there's probably, let's say half of them, 50% that can be taken over, that can be delegated by software, mm -hmm. by technology. And if you do that, not only do you get your bandwidth freed up, you don't have to remember that 50% of stuff, that also opens up all this time and space for creativity, for mm. self-care, for inspiration, for trying new things, for learning. It's like you can't really pursue anything new until you offload some sizable percentage of the stuff that you're trying to keep in your head. So is the idea that our organic brains are good at some kinds of tasks, but not as good at others, and we might as well give over to machines and other tools the tasks that they're going to be better at? Exactly. exactly. So what are the kinds of things that we're not as good at? I mean, the, the number one thing is remembering. Mm -hmm. Just plain old, you have a fact, a detail, a, you know, something someone said in a meeting, a appointment that you're trying to go to, a to-do list, some notes you took on a book. I mean, the, not just the volume, but the, the number of kinds of content, the different mm. forms it can take, the different formats that it arrives in, the different platforms where it's stored is just proliferating like mad. And so in, in a way, that's all you really have to delegate is just remembering. If every single thing you had to remember, you could instantaneously turn to a piece of technology and access it, that alone, I think, would probably cover that 50% of space that we're trying to free up. <laughs> just to step back for a second, who do you think this book is for? Is this for, you know, the overwhelmed office worker? Is this more targeted towards creatives, people who are trying to, to really build new things and put new things in the world? Who's it aimed at? Yeah, I'd say... You know, the forerunners of this were writers, mm. you know, going back centuries, millennia, practically, uh, writers had to keep extensive notes because they had to, you know, use them as fuel for their writing, to produce their writing. But I think my, my belief, my, uh, my hypothesis here is that that need to keep track of large amounts of content and then not just keep track of it, but use it to produce pieces of content, to produce results, to make decisions, to have some kind of external impact has now spread from, you know, the 1% the of writers, philosophers, poets, politicians, to everyone. I'm amazed these days. You, you really can't find any profession that is not involved at least a little bit in knowledge work. You know, I talk to truck drivers. Hmm. I talk to construction workers. Construction workers have so much information and content to manage, mm -hmm. all the, the measurements and the subcontractors' details and all the planning and the Gantt charts. 
I think the way that that society is moving is we're all being asked, even in longstanding traditional professions, to keep track of information and use it and analyze it and, and understand it. And we're all using technology to do so. So it's almost like this concept of a commonplace book, that's that's what it was called in the past, is has now spread and been democratized. I'm trying to democratize it to everyone else. So let's talk about capturing things. And this seems to be one of the primary uses you're recommending for a second brain. Why is that important? Why do we want to do that? Yeah, this is really where it all begins. This is the, the starting point. So the methodology that I'm teaching is really about digital. It's really about the digital world. Yes, you can take notes on paper, you can have notebooks and legal pads and different things. But I think it all gets supercharged. It all gets radically more powerful when you make it digital. But that means you have to capture it in digital form. It's almost like a translation. You're getting something from the physical world, the, you know, the outside world, and you're converting it into a digital form. How do we know what's worth writing down? You know, because there's so much coming at us all the time. And part of me, when I get into this mode of capturing, I just want to capture it all, just all the data that's flying at me, I feel like will be useful somewhere. But that can get overwhelming too. Yeah, people need to know the reasons they're taking notes. And I give them different options. It can be the projects that you are working on. And I actually have people identify what are the, you know, five to 10 to 15 concrete projects? What are the notes you can take to advance those projects? It can be the goals you're trying to achieve. It can be your favorite problems. Or as we've been talking about, it can just be what sparks your, you know, curiosity, even if, especially if you have no idea why. And maybe that will point you to some new project or some new goal that you didn't know you had yet, but now you do. Absolutely. I know you also talk about in the book how you partly, part of your journey on this was, was after a kind of health scare or, you know, dealing, dealing with some medical issues prompted you out of necessity to just take good notes because a lot of information was coming at you and it was vital to you to understand and process and make decisions, but you, you needed a system for kind of just recording all of that. I thought of that today. I had a doctor's appointment this morning and I had been reading your book and I thought, yeah, I should be intentional about this. My first plan was to use the voice memo app to record the conversation with the doctor. It felt a little awkward, invasive, and I didn't really want to ask, so I, I chose not to do that. But what I did is as soon as the, the uh, appointment was over, I sat in my car and just wrote out all the key points that I could remember. And, you know, there's no question that's going to be useful for me to have next week, a couple months from now when I forget what happened in that doctor's appointment. Oh, absolutely. This this constantly blows my mind. It blows my mind that we all go to doctor's appointments, pay a lot of money, spend a lot of time. We get advice, you know, things to eat or not eat, medicines to look into, things to try, things to look out for. As far as I can tell, virtually no one writes any of that down. Not only are we not taking notes, the doctor, any notes that they're taking are not going into a system. You know, how many times do you go to a new, a new doctor's office or specialist and they're like, write down your whole health history. <laughs> how can you do that? Yeah. How can you just write, just remember from your brain your entire health history yeah. and just write it down on this piece of paper? It's and absurd. why should I have to? Why haven't all these other professionals recorded that information in a way that was transferred to this new doctor? And Exactly. I just can't believe it. Yeah, so we're left to be create our own little health data systems, you know, to I now try to write, you know, capture all the test results or anything I have so that when I'm asked, you know, how's your cholesterol? I go, "Well, actually I know that because I saved it last time it 
it came up and here we go. We can talk about it. Exactly. But you know, you know, the funny thing is this isn't just about the, uh, you know, the broken U.S. medical system. Every area of our lives is like this. My wife and I bought a house a few years ago. The amount of information you need to keep track of for a home, the voltage of the different plugs, the mm-hmm. different air filters, the, you know, how often they need to be changed, the warranties on the different appliances, the, you know, the color of the paint in the rooms. It's like we've had to create a whole section of our you know, shared second brain just to keep track mm-hmm. of all that home stuff. Then you look at your kids and all their information. Mm-hmm. Our dog has a whole compendium of information that we have to keep track of. You know, every part of life has information now. And so I think a part of my philosophy is you could create different disparate systems. Mm-hmm. You could go through and create something separate. But I, I just think, well, it's all the same kind of information. It's text, links, images, PDFs and attachments maybe. Just create one. Mm-hmm. Just have one central one for all these aspects of your life with just different folders and different categories to kind of differentiate it. Yeah, and it does feel like a superpower when you get it working and then you're the guy who who can access your dog's vaccination records like that or who can find, uh, you know, the voltage of all the plugs in the house. Uh, it, It does feel remarkable when you can do it. Oh, yeah. So is that a superpower you'd like to develop, listeners? If so, come back tomorrow when Tiago will start to get into the nitty gritty of how to build your second brain. Until then, I know one way to keep an organized record of some of the best and most useful ideas out there check out our Next Big Idea app, which collects key insights from the best nonfiction books. You can save and bookmark your favorites, create playlists, and generally have a second brain in your pocket filled with practical wisdom you can call up anytime. You can find it in your favorite app store. I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.